0: Hello there, I'm Graham Bell. I produce country music radio programs in Australia for years for the ABC and commercial radio stations. I'd like to share with you an interview I did with a country music artist. Well, coming up shortly, I'll be talking to Shorty Ranger from Kempsey. Shorty Ranger and Slim Dusty grew up together when they were boys in Nullar. Shorty, this morning I'm talking to Shorty Ranger. Good morning, Shorty, how are you? Good morning, Graham, and good morning all your listeners. Shorty, what's your real name? That's a good question. Uh, Edwin Haberfield. And what did they call you when you were a young fella? Oh, well, Bobby or Bob. (laughs) Bobby, whereabouts
1: were you born? In Kempsey.
0: How long ago was that? Well, it's nearly 64 years ago. 64 years ago, you were born in Kempsey. What did your father
1: do? He was a farmer, and uh, like he came from England and uh, got the first job uh, on a farm at uh, a place called Rigby's in Austral I think that's how it started. That's near Kempsey? Yes, near Kempsey. Mm-hmm. And what sort of farming was he doing? Mixed farming, like uh, and and pigs and things like that.
0: Uh, Bobby, how old were you when you went to Nulla? I think about
1: eighteen months old, very tiny, very young. Yeah. about eighteen
0: months old, right? Yeah. Eh? yeah. And uh, did you like Nulla, Nulla, when you were a boy? Do you uh, remember too much of it? I remember everything about Nulla because that is the that's the home. That is our
1: home, as far as I'm concerned. Even though I live in Kempsey, I, yeah. I still like Nulla. Yeah. All
0: right. And uh, did you like school at Nulla? Oh, yes. I
1: liked school. We only had one teacher, so you just had to get along. And if you put a whole uh, school lifetime in with one teacher, you you seemed to get along.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, was it a man teacher? A
1: man teacher, yeah.
0: Was he strict? Oh, yes. He was pretty strict, yes. He,
1: he'd use the cane any chance he got.
0: Yeah. How many went to school there? Well,
1: there was, you know, over 20. I think they got up to, you know, 26 or something. But uh, one teacher go from first class to sixth class,
0: you know. It was more just a primary school. A primary school, mm. yes. You met someone there called Gordon Kirkpatrick.
1: Yes, I remember that day that... Uh, his two sisters used to ride horses, see, and, and they brought this little fella down this day, <laughs> start school. I was on only little fella, too. <laughs> and uh, it was Gordon Kirkpatrick.
0: So Bobby Haberfield and, and Gordon Kirkpatrick, how much older are you, are you than uh, Gordon? I think I'm about 18 months. Yeah. And you were good mates in those days? Well, we started as mates because
1: he sort of didn't go on the school too much for a while and and he had a bit of a problem there with a the teacher one day and, and I sort of comforted him and, <clears throat> and I said I'd look after him. So anyway, right from that very first day, we sort of clicked.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. What sort of music did the radio play in those days?
1: Well, for a long time we didn't have radio, but when the old dry battery ones come in, um, well, Kirkpatrick's got one, and we got one. I remember ours was a bandmaster. And the, uh, well, they were playing all sorts of popular music and uh, band music and that, but there was the hillbilly session. That was the
0: big thing. Was uh, the uh, commercial station here first, or the ABC?
1: The commercial station is what we knew, yes. Yeah. 2KM
0: in those days. Oh, t- 2KM Kempsey. yes. And when did they play their hillbilly session? did they play it uh... while
1: you milk and early in the morning was the main pl- time yeah. yeah
0: yeah and and uh, in those days, I suppose everyone listened to the hillbilly session. everybody was hillbilly fans in those days and you and young Gordon took a liking to this hillbilly music we sort of uh, said it was the only
1: music that we wanted to know. You know? Yeah. And uh, that's how it was, Uh, Jimmy Rogers and Wolf Carter and all this, you know.
0: Well, how did you first become involved in this hillbilly music? Well, I think we had a vision,
1: even though we lived in Nullar Creek, which uh, was a long way from anywhere, we had even visions of Gene Autry and going to America and all this great stuff, and being hillbilly writers and singers.
0: Did you see films in those days of Gene Autry and... uh in
1: the latter years, like Roy, after. Roy, Roy Rogers. Yeah, Roy Rogers
0: and Gene Autry, mm. that was the main ones, yes. Yeah. Well, how did you get involved in hillbilly music? Did you write uh, poetry or did you sing it or how were you involved at yeah, this so early age?
1: I think the the writing of poetry and then turning it into songs, you know. This is very early days, uh, about 11 or something
0: like this, you see. So you and young Gordon, you're ten and eleven, and you're writing poetry about uh, about life, I suppose. It. About life, uh, especially about cowboys. Yeah. And <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. your first poem, do you remember it? I remember the name, and uh, it was called "The Way." Uh, no, the uh, the snake that did the trick. I was thinking of Slim's. His was the way the cowboy dies. But they were cowboy ones, you see. Well, tell me about the snake that did his trick. <laughs> what was it about? I, I know. You'd ask me that because uh, actually I was riding my pony and, uh, and I took him into this, this gully to give him a drink. And, of course, uh, what happened? A black snake grabbed him and bit him on the nose. And, of course, in no time, poor old pony Fell over in the water and I had to take the saddle off and carry
0: the saddle home. <laughs> so that was your first poem, when well, you are about, about 11 years old. Yeah, about 11 years old. <laughs> what about Gordon, Gordon Kirkpatrick? Was he writing a poem or two then? Yes,
1: he was writing. He was writing The Way the Cowboy Dies. I can't remember how it goes, but it was a pretty sad affair too.
0: You two young fellows must have been pretty keen because you decided to come up with a stage name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we... Uh, uh, your name didn't come to you
1: like that, did it? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we worked on the names for a good while and we come up with two names we thought we might sweep the world <laughs> and that was Buddy Bluebird and Buddy Blackbird. <laughs> You're not swearing, are eh? No, but I tell you what, if you say it two or three times, it's like it. <laughs> what other names did you come around with? Well, uh, Slim dropped on to Slim Dusty by some uh, strange uh, reason and uh, he stuck to that But I come on to Shorty Slim for about a year or so. So there was a bit of a problem there, because there was slim uh, slim shorties and dusty slims, and it was still getting tangled up.
0: <laughs> At least you weren't swearing. <laughs> no, no, we had to, to stop the swearing, yeah. <laughs> when you finally settled on your name, you were still 12, 13 years old?
1: Yes, yes, it was uh, still the thing. So one day I was going up to his place, because that was the ritual, that I would go to his place, and if we wrote a new song or a poem, He'd know, and i he'd come down to me, and this just went on all our life, all our early life. Mm. And uh, you say, you must have been keen. Oh, <laughs> I just don't know how keen, but we must have been keen, yeah. because nothing else mattered.
0: You know? Did you feel it was a little bit unusual? I mean, two young fellows, 12 years old, and, and you're writing poetry, and I suppose your mates, they'd be playing cowboys in Indians oh, and Indians yeah, and so roaming around. Things, but yeah. still you fellows had this obsession yeah. to write and sing country music.
1: Yes, uh, just the obsession to do it because the other fellas, all them, there were a lot of them pretty good sports fellas, mm. and they chase cricket and tennis and all that, but we'd chase country music.
0: Mm. Yeah. When you settled on your name, yeah. Shorty Ranger, did you register it?
1: Yes, I did. I, I have a, a document there somewhere Ruby's got, uh, I think, about 1944 or 43 that I registered first. And that was
0: Shorty Ranger. I, I finally got that out of the blue. <laughs> so Shorty, Shorty Ranger, you've got a poem and you've got a name registered. Did yeah. you have a guitar then? No, didn't have a guitar. <laughs> it was before the guitar days. But anyhow, Slim was a bit
1: fortunate. Uh, next door to him, there was a bloke who had a guitar and he wanted to buy a better one. And he was Clem Rogers in those days, but he was Jack Kyle in real life. And uh, he uh, had this guitar for sale, so it was a terrific price of uh, of 30 bob, which was about well, to be $3 now. Mm. So I went up this day for the big deal and we went over and got this guitar. And that was the little white guitar that Slim had first, and he did his first process records on.
0: Well, I'll be glad. What about, uh, did you buy records in those days?
1: Yes, when um, Slim... I think he got a, uh, a little new HMV portable gramophone to play the 78s, and we used to buy them on the shares. And I'd buy Wolf Carter, who was my sort of, us who I followed, yeah. and Slim would buy Buddy and Tex and that sort of thing. We had a pretty good collection.
0: Yeah. I bet you'd learn those records off, Pat. Yes, yeah,
1: learn them all off by heart,
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> Taught uh, ourselves to tune the guitars to the 78s. So we've got a couple of young fellows in Nulla, nulla Slim and Shorty, and uh, when did you get serious and start to sing in public? When was the first time you sang in public? Yes, I'll never forget that because it was at the post office and uh, the Dunbars
1: were the people who run it and we had this, this big night, this, this first show, and we're doing, uh, I think we sang uh, You Are My Sunshine
0: and I'm Thinking Tonight of My Blue Eyes. We used to do duets then. And in those days, when you first sung in public, did you really seriously think you were going to become a grown-up hillbilly singer? Well, we it was pretty uh,
1: devastating the first time, but encouraged very much by the people, by the people, and they said, oh, you know, the, you're good, you're good, and we only knew two chords then. <laughs>
0: All right, so at what point of your life did you say, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm about how old would you have been then?
1: Well, it was early teens. Uh, I think it was early teens when we went to 2KM, and that was on the air. It was a big thing, you know. That would reach the world, we thought. You went into 2KM. Did they know you were coming? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't know what an appointment was in those days. Did
0: you get dressed up?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, that was the big thing. We got our, our shirts made and all this sort of thing and black hats. We got our first black hats through to this
0: post office from Murdoch's in Sydney. And we looked the part and, uh... Well, that's important in radio, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you fronted up into uh, in, into two MC. Yes, yes, in uh, Belgrave Street. Two KM. Two KM. Yes. Yes, I see. And what did you just bowl in, or, or did well, you stand we,
1: around for a while? We stand around for a while and walk past and back of the and the uh, and I think the 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 manager, which was Rex Morrisby, came out and said, "What do you boys want or something?" You know, and. Uh, then he said, "You want to go on the air or something?" So anyhow, we got in there, and he gave us a bit of an audition. and He put us on.
0: So that was how it started. How did you feel after that? Oh, it's felt good. Yeah, I'll uh, bet whether made. it sounded good or not, we felt good. So when did you try to make a living out of this singing bit? Well, whereabouts was that? And what did you do? And how old were you? That you're still <laughs> were Slim. You're still yeah. Slim and Shorty, and. Yeah. Uh, you decided you are going to have a crack at making a living. Did you Did you go off with the shows? Or?
1: Yes, we went off with the shows. We, we used to come down to Kempsey at the shows and see people like Tex Morton and that, you know, and that had fired the enthusiasm more. <laughs> and uh, one of the fellows there uh, in the showground said, oh, we'd give you a job in Dorigo, see, if we if we like to come to Dorigo. So that was another big feat, getting to Dorigo. So we went to this boxing tent in Dorigo, and uh, he'd arranged sort of we'd go with him. And we get there and he didn't want to know us. That's so so we let, let me get
0: this right. You saw him in Kempsey, the yep, boxing company, yeah. and, and he said, I'll give you a, a, a job if you get to Dorrigo. Yes. <laughs> so you young, young fellas went all the way to Dorrigo with your ports and guitars. Yes.
1: And we went straight in through the gate because they said, Are you follow us with the show? And mm-hmm. we said, Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then you got the sad news. The sad news the fellow didn't want us. Oh. Oh, that was, that so was what sad. did you do? Well, we just had to hang around the place for you know, till night time, and uh, we thought, "Oh, we'll get out of here on a bus." But there wasn't no such thing for a couple of days. So we uh, sort of, after the pictures came out that night, we had nowhere to go. Was you couldn't get a bed if you had the money for it, you know, because of showtime. Was it summer or winter? It was wintertime, yes, <laughs> and you know Dorico, uh, most of us do. <laughs> anyway, we got in a recess, what do we call a recess, where they go into cafes and that, so put our ports and everything in there and we said, we'll be right here, you know. And we were right for a while and then we heard the tramp, tramp of boots coming down the street and because two policemen came past and uh, they re- didn't, didn't let on, they looked, you see, but... We said we're glad they went past, but it was only a few minutes and they were back again. And they said, what are you fellas doing here? So anyway, we were getting a bit terrified of this, and so we told them the truth. We were very truthful, and, uh, and they said, what's the sergeant's name at Belbrook?" And I said, Sergeant Simpson, which was right. And he said, oh, he's telling the truth. But he said, look, he said, if anything gets broken into tonight in Dorigo, they said, who do you think we'd blame? You fellas. So that that was bad. So they said we think you better take you down to the station. So that was the first time we ever encountered that. <laughs> so they gave us a bed and breakfast next morning, and uh, we were on our way. But we still had to stay in the place the next night. but we we got in a baker's shed where they used to have the horse, and uh, we camped in there till daylight again, and. That next day, we got a, a bus out of there.
0: Now, how far did your fare take? We them? only had enough fare to get to Bellingen. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't far, <fun>. no. <laughs> All right, so you're in Bellingen. What did you do? You're out of money nearly. Well,
1: we're out of money. It's either go home or keep on the road. So we uh, decided that we'd rent a hall. <laughs> we didn't know how we were going to do any of this. But anyhow, we found out and found the shire office and we got a hall, the hall for five shillings. Then we put this one, this show on in the afternoon. So we got an exercise book and a, and a packet of crayons and, and did our <laughs> Shorty Ranger Slim Dusty show, where the first poster, <laughs> and the only sad part of it, we never kept those posters. They'd been the only one-off in the world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, I think, yeah, grossed I think... about 35 shillings out of the after paying the... So you'd have got a bit of a crowd there. Oh, yeah, a bit of a crowd, mums and kids. Yeah, yeah. And we put on the uh, first talent quest, I would say, that was just about anywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and you paid a prize to the winners yeah. of the talent quest? Five shillings, two shillings and a shilling. That was <laughs> the uh, first, second and third prize. Yeah. And the five shillings, of course, to the, uh, to the council. To the council, and we still had this 35 shillings. Boy, you'd have been made then. Your enthusiasm would have been back
1: then. Yes, it got back again, and uh, we got a room in an old hotel I was up there recently, but I couldn't find where this was. It's probably changed. But we got a room for five
0: shillings, and that was a good way. I said, we can eat again now. You weren't up there looking for another room for five shillings. No. <laughs> no, one of those hotels is gone, so no, it so That have been the probably one. be it. Because, uh, hmm. Also, you're pretty fired up by now. Hmm. Uh, had you made any records? Of course you wouldn't have. You were only 15, 16 no, yes, by then. No, no records yet. Uh, what was the first song that you put down on a record? Well, that's a good question because I made
1: uh, the first record was on a a paper record or cardboard type in the war, uh, early war days. And I made it at Harmony House. And uh, I think you might know Harmony House, but it was in Pitt Street in Sydney. So anyway, I made this song called My Darling Daisy. And it was originally in the early '30s, I think, or before, by the Carter family. But I I called it "My Darling Daisy." Well, that was my very first attempt with the recording. <laughs> yeah, you're happy with it? I thought it was great because I ended up ruining it with the heavy needle on old 78. You see, and and it got out of my hands. It was the rarest thing, you know, in in our life. Yeah. But it got away somehow, and.
0: Well, at this stage, you're sort of very keen and, and, and leading the way into this country music field. You decided to go on the Australian Amateur Hour.
1: Yes, I, uh, I left on the cream lorry from Nullar Creek and then caught the North Coast Mail, and, and I, I had to find out about it before. Uh, I think you had to send in your name and what you were going to sing, and but I was accepted for it, and I ended up in Sydney on the stage with Dick Fair. I think it was Dick Fair on that, yeah.
0: I'll tell you, you at a sixteen-year-old boy from Nullarbor, and you're on the stage with Dick Fur in the Australian Amateur. Hour. How did you go? I went very
1: well. Only there was a, I think it was a, a fiddler on that uh, always was very, you know, that hillbilly. It'd have to be pretty spectacular to beat a good fiddler, but I, I did do pretty well. I'll never forget one little incident when I was uh, finished my song, and they were clapping, and there's a fella in the in the front row. Uh, stood up and said, good on you, Nulla Creek. And I thought, gee. And it was uh, Mr Rossiter from Belbrook. Well, well. well. And I couldn't believe that, yeah. What did you sing? I sang my own song, which was called It's All Over Now, Over You. Gee.
0: Well, did you stay in Sydney after that?
1: I stayed uh, and uh, I did a few stints on the uh, showboat. I'm um, one that did do the showboat, the two boats that so we used to change over in the middle of the the harbour, mm. and uh, and I was booked up to do uh, Bob Dyer's, and I did another show. I just can't think what it was, but I, I had several engagements, mm. but I, I dipped out before I did the Bob Dyer thing. I was always a bit sorry about that. I couldn't stand the city. I, it was frightening me, yeah. and I was thinking of the bush again, yeah. so back home again.
0: You did get involved with Tim
1: McNamara, shorty. Yes, I did. That was about 1950. And I went to Sydney, like, before I met him, and I was trying, still trying to get on to record, you know, which was a bit bad for me. Uh, Slim, by this time, had made a a few commercial records they sent for him and, uh, like, EMI. But I... Couldn't get in. I sort of couldn't couldn't make it. And it was very serious because there was only one other record company, which was Rodeo. Yeah. So anyhow, I went to work for the old petrol place called Pur Pool down in um, uh, Glebe. Yeah. And I had a, a room there with a few others, but it was a very bad sort of... A time <laughs> so i put up with this for many months yeah,
0: a bit of a wild time
1: yes yeah, yeah. So well it was bad I, I i didn't mind a bit of wild i suppose but i just didn't like the environment you know so anyway i heard about this tim McNamara thing and i finally made contact and uh, i went there a bloke took me to 2sm and i started going there and i started doing a you know a spot and that sort of thing, and they sort of liked me, and I was doing stuff like the Chattanooga shoeshine boy, you know, and all this stuff, you know. And uh, anyway, I finally got to the Sydney Town Hall, and I was runner-up to Reg Lindsay. Like, he, we
0: both got a contract with rodeo through that. Just um, to put us in the picture, Tim McNamara had a radio program uh, in Sydney. Yes, on Saturday nights he had this radio program.
1: How long did it last? It lasted quite a long time. There yeah.
0: was quite a few heats with it too, you know. Yeah, but the, the radio program was an hour show, was it?
1: I think it was an hour. Just mm. r- thinking back, I've got some data somewhere, but
0: I just can't remember. Yeah. But it was at least that. Yeah. Tim McNamara is known to have helped many, many people get their start. And he did arrange a big concert, like a talent quest, where they had heats. Is that right? Yes, that's how they did it. Mm. And the one I was on was the Sydney Town
1: Hall. Right. And, and, and that was the final, was it? Yes, it was a final. Was it? Was there many people along to see? It? Absolutely. I have never, I don't think, seen many uh, as many. Yeah. It was. Crowded, standing room
0: only at the all Sydney right. Town Hall. And uh, how many was in this final concert? Well, uh, I just can't, rem- I can't remember
1: them all, but all was- Reg was my worry. Yeah, Reg Lindsay was one. Was Lindsay, it, yes. Do you yes. remember
0: any other names? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Today I can't think. No. Uh, all right. Uh, what I, I want to know fun.
0: is just how did you go on that concert?
1: I went good, yeah. but Reg beat me on the yodel. and uh, I think he did the Streamline Yodel or something. But anyway, we both got contracts out of this and I still have my contract there for the first radio records.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll be. And the place was packed out. Packed out, yes. Country music was big in the city then. Oh, it was. It was. It was surprising, really. Mm. Shorty, where did you meet your wife? Well, that's a
1: good question because I met Ruby Jane at uh, Borough Pine. Whereabouts is that? Borough Pine is sort of the head of Taylor's arm. Like It's well up in Taylor's arm. Yeah, I suppose you were singing over there, were you? Well, that's what I went to do, and I, you know, met a bit more than what I was bargaining for, you know. But anyway, I was pleased about that. When did you marry? 1950, 1952. 1952. Whereabouts did you marry? We married in Kempsey. Yeah.
0: And where did you live after that?
1: We went to Nullah. For a while, but we, we was I was on gardening and different things, and uh, didn't work out too much. And when we had a couple of kiddies, we had to move away, not owning anything, and we came to Kempsey.
0: Mm. Shorty, you've been writing all your life. How many songs have you written? Well, uh, it's got to be over three hundred. Three hundred. But... Three hundred songs Yeah. What, what would be your best song what's your the one you favor most? well, the one I have to
1: favor, which I might have other good ones, but uh, is winter winds yeah that is a country classic it's a country classic, and i I would be you know silly to say that I you know I wouldn't say winter winds because I it's still today, just as uh, you know people just like it
0: mm. Shorty, where do you think country music is heading today
1: well it seems to be heading uh, fairly popular, but uh, it's a bit of a worry for traditionalists, I think. Um, it's still hard. It's still hard because uh, like the, the younger ones I suppose have got uh, more props under them mm. and uh, there's nobody who wants to prop anyone up when he's finished. And uh, well, I mean I shouldn't say that, I suppose. But, uh, you know, when you've been 50 years in, in the game of writing, um, you know, you still like to see the traditional thing going as well. There's plenty of room for them, you know.
0: Yeah. You've uh, been at it all your life, certainly been through a lot of experiences. What would you like to pass on to young and enthusiastic uh, people? Like, what sort of, uh, What sort of advice would you have liked to have got when you were a young fellow? Well... The thing is,
1: you must have enthusiasm. If you haven't got that, you're not going to get far. And, uh, well, I mean, I suppose it would be nice if we or me would have had a a backer to help you. Uh, But uh, if you haven't got that, you, you have to do a lot yourself.
0: Shorty, finally, will country music live on?
1: I think so. I think because there's country people. When country people are still living on, country music, I think, still got to live on because that's the music for the country.
0: Well, Shorty Ranger, thanks for your time and maybe we can get together again sometime. Thank you very much, Graham. Shorty Ranger from Kempsey and uh, one of his great songs, The Ballad of Port Macquarie. Shorty Ranger's written many great songs. The Big Banana Land was written by Shorty Ranger and, of course, the country classic Winter Winds was written by Shorty Ranger when he was about 13 years old. I'll be back with another country artist for a country artist chat. Graham Bell sang, until then. You take care now you yeah.